Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give me a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all your financial support. Uh, today's episode... Uh, Barry Craig, and we are resuming the series. Uh, it's worth noting, uh, the final uh, end indicated this was the last episode that they hoped to be able to bring it to people again. Uh, and most times when that said, it still doesn't end up coming back. Well, in the case of Barry Craig, that was definitely an exception. Uh, the series returned only a month later, in October of 1954. Uh, most of the episodes were about uh, 25 minutes, uh, and this was to make uh, it possible to be able to play the news. Uh, a lot of the uh, recordings from this uh, version are somewhat edited, uh, and that's the case with today's. Uh, we're missing the end credits. It was kind of snipped. Not our doing. Uh, there were five episodes missed. This is the sixth episode of the new uh, shorter format series. This one is called Lifeline. Larry Craig speaking. Some cases don't show at all in your monthly cash receipt. Your only compensation is the warm feeling you get deep inside. It's a case that would be, say, uh, in the public good and welfare. The first nudge it gave me was in Dolan's coffee pot. I was having a steak burger, free on Dolan. Dolan was paying off a World Series bet. His team had lost. The nudge came from a girl, 20 maybe, give or take a year, in a cloth coat with a babushka around her head. A scared look to her like she just dried her tears. Mr. Craig, if you'll excuse me. Oh, I do. Be my guest. No, thanks. Oh, the food's good here. Sanitary kitchen. Well, it's awfully nice of you, but I... Coffee, then. Uh, hey, Dolan. One Java, piping hot. <laughs> now, no need looking so scared, miss. People come up to me all the time. Then it's not unusual for me to... Oh, not one bit. The day my private life gets too private, friend, make room on that bread line. My name is Norma, Mr. Craig. Well, stretch it. Norma Barron? Your own crisis or a borrowed one? I'm here on behalf of my boyfriend, Chris. Chris Joukowsky. Here with his consent and blessing? No. Oh, he'd be furious if he... Uh, 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 enough said. Uh, hand me a napkin. Napkin? Oh, my steak burger. I'll wrap it up and finish it under the stars. <sighs> my guess is that you'd feel freer without so many ears around. Well, it is awfully crowded here. Everybody's staring at me. <laughs> looked down and the sounds of the river made like tubers in the Philharmonic Orchestra. Norma got around to the point of her mission. Chris is wild, deliberately bent on destroying himself. Oh, familiar, reckon. He's carrying a chip. The country doesn't know it, but we've got an undeclared civil war on our hands. 
An undeclared civil war. Youth against the grown-up. Total war and no weapons barred. Read the daily papers. It is horrible. We don't come to some solution about it. We'll slip back into the dark ages. But uh, get on with Chris. Oh, he's carrying a gun. He doesn't know I know. That's why I came to you. Why not the regular police? Oh, I didn't dare. Gee, I don't want Chris in trouble. I wanted him understood and helped. How close are you to Chris? We've been going together since school. I've never known any other boy. Girls will sure pick them. Deep down, Chris is good and gentle and decent. So, okay. Who might argue with love? So what sours, Chris? I'm not too sure. Personality problems, I think. The hard time he's been having, his, his lack of direction. That about covers what ails the world. Does Chris work? He keeps losing jobs. Oh? Tell me about his associations. They aren't good. Chris goes where he's accepted. He doesn't uh, discriminate. What's got him feeling so low down and rejected? Besides his hard luck with jobs. Well, he's always felt second rate. His boyhood was a mess. Parents? An aunt and uncle. Not always a satisfactory substitute. Okay, I'll look Chris up. See what's got the boy toting a gun. Sikowski, only he didn't know it at the time. I wanted to tail him for a while on the QT, see what pattern of movement was typical to him. Average looking, except for his clothes. The clothes were stylish, a fancy Dan cut to them. His movements for a while were very typical of the young tough, lounging in front of a barber shop, then across the street to lounge some more in front of the Apollo Billiard Academy. A little chit-chat with a few young fellows trying to look hard. And then with the 10 p.m. chimes, Chris took himself a walk, with me not far behind him. A short walk it turned out to be to a movie house, the Odeon. A double feature playing Death in Spades and Girl of the Manitoba Trail. I was right in line with him, buying an admission ticket. Buys into a movie house, he generally finds a seat and settles down for a three-hour snooze. Not Chris Chikowski. He no sooner got in, he was leaving by the balcony firing. Follow a guy down an iron staircase, you can't always be the quiet man who isn't there. The staircase underfoot sets up a whine, loud enough for Chris to hear. I saw him waiting for me in the alley, looking very suspicious and hostile. Hold on a minute there, mister. Holding on. Yes? Two of us on that staircase. I'll come. The picture was from hunger. Like you, I decided to leave. Why the fire exit? Oh, the fastest out. No pushing past people in the lobby. I got my cue from you, Sonny. So what's bothering you? I don't like strangers behind me. Nice persecution complex. No? Nothing. Fancy talk. Uh, all right for me to keep going? Yeah, I guess. All right, sure. Yeah, you read about muggers all the time, mister. Sure. Always suspect a guy creeping behind you. That way you grow up to be a grandfather someday. So scram already. Let's don't make it a coffee clot. Sure, let's don't. But before I bow out, I've got something for your nervous system. Oh, my nervous system? Now what? A jolt. A real one this time. Hey. Hey, you got a run on me. Haven't I, though? You ain't gonna make out. All I got is one buck and a pack of smokes. And a gun? Come again. I said you've got a gun. 
Oh, now, what makes you think that? My X-ray vision. Keep your buck and cigarettes. Just pass up the hardware. Let's have it. Sure. You know something? What? You know, stick up, you're a cop. Know something? What? You're so right. I know an empty warehouse a few blocks south. Let's go to it, huh? What for? Privacy. There's a loading platform we can squat on. Have a nice, long talk. Nice, long talk? Hey, what's with... Perambulate, Sonny. Or I'll get you there the hard way. The only company we had around the warehouse loading platform was a family of cats. I pulled out all the stops from talking to Chris Tchaikovsky. You were in and out of the Odeon Theater to establish a time alibi covering three hours in case of a pinch. You're crazy. You made sure the cashier and the ticket taker saw you. You went out of their way to greet both of them. They both know me since I was a kid. Macy and Sam Guinness, how long don't I know them? Some cop asked you about where you were tonight. You show them a ticket stub. Yeah. Then they asked me about the pitch, wise guy. I can't answer that. You saw me leave right away. You saw the movies last night. You got in somehow without being noticed by the cashier or the ticket taker. Either that or somebody briefed you on the pictures. You know them by heart. Go on. Make a federal case out of nothing. Packing a gun isn't nothing, Sonny. There's a law against it. I found the gun over on a lot in the weeds. Even at that, granting the lie, the law is still against it. I didn't know how to dump it. There's the police station house. For the cops to push me around? Oh, wouldn't I be nuts? There's a sewer on every block. A sewer, yeah. Yeah, I should have thrown it down the sewer. You should have. Only thing, you, uh, you had a robbery all set up. And the gun figured in it. Say what you like. Go ahead, you got nothing on me. The gun. Okay, the gun. So pull me in. You could come clean with me. <laughs> you could take a... Uh-uh-uh. Wash your tongue. So you're sticking to the cartoon, huh? Tough Chris Tchaikovsky. Don't you go making fun of me. Like others have, huh? What do you mean by that? The laughs at your expense. The laughs that soured you on people in society. And even on yourself. Ain't nobody been laughing at me. I know. Not lately. Not since you've become a sinister figure. You're crazy. And you're as self-conscious and unsure as anybody I've ever met. Now, why do you say that? I'm looking squarely at you. Oh. You're another one like that. That uh, disfigurement in your face, your right cheek. How did it happen? The fire. I was a kid. We lived five flights up over on Leonard Street. I got burned bad. One profile, you're fine. A handsome gent. But on the other side, you're a scarecrow. Mr. Gunner, no gun. I'll break your head. I'll... <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to see how deeply you felt about your looks. I don't think about it until a wise guy reminds But you do think about it, Chris. It's on your mind and in your eyes and heavy on your soul. It's got you toting a gun and planning robberies. I'll ask you again. Come clean. Come clean about what? The robbery scheduled for tonight. Where? Who? And the fellas in it with you. Their names. I got nothing to tell you. Nothing. The code, huh? The pony code of honor. Don't squeal. Don't even let out a peep in the electric chair. Where do you live? That's for you to find out. I don't think I'll try. Good night. Good night? You, you let me go? For now. Oh. You gotta keep hounding me. Yeah. From here in, I'm the angel over your shoulder. You'll never walk alone. You think. 
I'll get even with you. You watch. You don't even know good coffee. You just watch. I didn't bother answering that. I let the family of cats do it for me. In the morning, I had eggs and coffee. Still free on door. <laughs> Meals for a month on the house. That had been my winning World Series bet with Dolan. The morning papers told me what Chris Joukowsky wouldn't talk about the night before. Masked gunmen shoot hotel cashier and holdup. Escape with 6000 in cash. The Eberly Hotel, nine blocks from the warehouse where I'd sat out the evening with Chris Joukowsky. Nine blocks. A ten-minute stroll for Chris from the alleyway of the Odeon Theater. I sure gummed up his plan. Not being able to find Chris Joukowsky, I found his girl, Norma Barron, instead. She was busy at work in a glove factory, a piece worker. Norma ran up the side seams on the machine. So fast, I could swear the lady had eight hands. I can't talk to you now. It's important. Please, Mr. Minton, he's the foreman. He's got a production schedule. He's a fanatic. We can free the slaves. Craig can do no less. Jokes inside, I'll be laid off. Please, you'll only free me to be unemployed. When's lunch hour? Twelve o'clock. I got a box lunch here. Well, quit now. I'll get you another job. What at? I can't keep yelling over your sewing machines. What at? Now, let me see. Yeah, receptionist. At my dentist, Doc Freeman. Forty per and all the National Geographic you can read from ten to five. Oh, see, I've been dying to get paid for doing nothing. So? Has he already got a receptionist? Yeah. But Hannah's getting married over the weekend. Fell in love at a roller skating rink. Well, you quit now? <laughs> Do I? Oh, just give me two minutes. For what? A choice word I've been saving up for the foreman, Mr. Minton. Have I been dreaming of this day? Norma was just too nice a girl to be making two hands through the work of eight. I asked her help in finding Chris. I'm afraid Chris has gone away. Why do you think that? His room. He wasn't in it this morning. His room? Furnished room at Mrs. Bester's. I ring Chris's bell mornings and we eat breakfast together and then he walks me to work. Did you go up to his room? Yeah, I... It? It looked like Chris had vacated it. His personal stuff wasn't around. No note for you? No. Of explanation? Oh, no. No note. Your nose just lit up. My nose just... It always does when a nice girl stoops to Paul's head. Now, let me have the note. I was always a poor liar. Here. Norma, going out of town for a while. Maloney's first chance I get. Chris. What does Maloney's first chance I get mean in lover's code? Where Chris will telephone me. Maloney runs the barbershop. Hey, what trouble is Chris in? I'm not sure. The morning papers, however, are full of a hotel shooting and stick-up. Chris? No. So happens I'm his alibi for last night, thanks to you. Thanks to me? If you hadn't sent me after him, it's my notion Chris would have been one of the masked gunmen last night. Oh, I'm so relieved. Now don't be too relieved. He's on the lam, voluntarily or by force. Force? Chris didn't show up with his gun last night. His friends want to know why not. They had a job blueprinted with Chris fully informed. That makes Chris a possessor of dangerous knowledge. 
Yeah, Chris might have lambed voluntarily or by persuasion. You said before a hold-up and a shooting. A shooting? The night cashier in the Hotel Everly. He's got a bullet in him, pierced the lung. First surgery was successful, but a second might not be. It could be murder. If the cashier dies, a man of 65, Norma, shock alone can kill him. What a lucky thing that Chris was... Pause in your prayers and write out a list of Chris's so-called friends, huh? All of them you know. Play good angel and Dutch uncle to a problem, kid. The whole world doesn't take kindly to it. Sometimes there's a sharp protest from persons known and unknown. In this case, persons unknown. Some belligerent shooting up streetlights. Correction. Shooting up confidential investigators. This shot practically singed my whiskers. I made the safety of a shoeshine power. I needed a shoeshine even less than I needed a hair safe. In the shoeshine parlor, the guy shining my shoes kept laughing to himself. <laughs> Squat little guy with a nose built from ear to ear. The name on his glass window read B. Santo. Why not share the joke, cousin? <laughs> you laughing at me or at the world? Hey, let's have the other shoe. Just where would you prefer it? Oh, tough, huh? Just a little sensitive right now, laughing boy. I'm laughing about what went on. Went on where? The street out there. You're not knowing where all the shots were coming from. Oh, but you knew, huh? Yeah, I knew. <laughs> now I'm going to let you hear what's been breaking me up like this. The joke you asked about? So tell me. It so happens I know where your next shot's coming from. You do? Yeah. See? My, it's small. The size of my hand. Don't tell me the gun's been in your palm all the time you've been flipping the shine ray. It has. Look, I'll show you how the tricks work. See, I'm shining them up all the time I got the gun palm. Well, what do you know? Judah. Huh? Very. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ran right into the spider's web. Yeah. <laughs> right straight in. Uh, don't suppose we'll get to the other shoe now. Nah, I'm off that. Don't suppose you want payment for half a job. It's on the house. Thanks. Well? Well, what? What now? You come down off that chair. Yeah. Off the chair. First things first. Sure. Okay. Coming down to your left. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> You dropped something, cousin. Oh, my hand. Hey, very foolish, Richard, to get your gun. I said very foolish. I only fire one warning shot. That's all that's required of any cop. <laughs> You're not too bright, cousin. Ordering me down off a high perch, you should have backed out of range of my feet. Oh, my thumb's busted. Nothing fatal. I busted thumb, how do I make a living? Which raises the question, just how do you make a living? I'll answer that for you. You do odd jobs, Maloney to Baba. Maloney to Bob? Who, who's he? I like my guess. From that surprised look on your face, I like my guess very much. Mess with Maloney, you're a dope. Maloney's a dope. A rifle isn't standard tonsorial equipment for a half-inch. Park your shine right, Junior, and grab your hat. You, you're locking me up? I'm turning you over to a chap named Trav Rogers, Lieutenant Trav Rogers. He's locking you up. What, George? Conceal weapons for a starter. Let's go. Hey, that's the yard out there. I know. 
The temperature in the street's too sizzling for comfort. What with Maloney doing his barbering with a rifle, we'll catch ourselves a nice breeze going out the yard and over a few fences. Lead us in our journey, Santo. Neighborhood hoods organized into a stick-up gang, like a respectable cover. To be able to point to, quote, the legitimate gainful employment, unquote, when the heat is on. I let Maloney the barber trim my hair. There you are, friend. All cut. Hold the mirror to the back of my head, huh? Yeah, yeah, sure. Nice, huh? The line zigs up and zags down. Style to it. I always give style to and it. And the uh, sideburns, cockeyed. One's over my ear and one's under. You got a lot of complaints. My head of hair. Next time, take it someplace else, huh? What barber college did you study in, chum? That's my business. But I guess, sing, sing. I take so much needling and then... It... Oh, well, oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> What did you do that for? Oh, it's an accident. I was getting off the chair. I didn't see your big, fat stomach in the way. I got to sit. You knocked the wind out of me. Yeah, let me help you. Oh, uh, Maloney. Yeah? You conscious? What's got into you? You're a lousy barber. As a matter of fact, I don't even think you are a barber. Yeah, you're crazy. Just asked around the neighborhood. You're a barber like Santo down the street as a shine boy. Santo? Santo. The last I saw him, he was being fingerprinted. On your feet. <coughs> I've already asked around the neighborhood, Maloney. Heard all I need to know about you. A uh, bull. Nobody in the neighborhood even said hello to you. No, huh? Because you've got them intimidated, huh? Anybody talks to a cop, the next fellow they talk to is the undertaker. I'm sure listening to a lot of words. Indulge me. Stick-ups this end of town originate here in your barbershop. Like the one last night in the Eberly Hotel. Like 20 others that have gone unsolved the last two months. Young men in here get a lousy haircut and a big education in crime. Words. Words to dress up an indictment. I've got a list of names with me. Skinny Morrow, Buck Edwards, Pinky Dodge... Dutch O'Melveny, Red North. You've been copying names out of a telephone book. Names of young fellas ruined by Maloney. Gun toters and stick-up artists. Ask me where the fellas I read off are right now. Uh, you're talking. Being rounded up by the police. What are the odds that one of them spills the Maloney story? I want to call my lawyer. Soon. Soon as the show is over. The show? Who what show? A squad of cops on their way here. The store, back room, and basement. They're going to take it apart. I'll lay odds on what they'll find. Rats and roaches. And cameras, radios, rings, watches, etc. Maybe even a big piece of that 6000 taken at the Eberly Hotel last night. Settle down with the comics, Maloney. We've got ten minutes to kill. I bagged a lot of wild games. I had the standing room only sign out of the local plate. But I still had the problem of Chris Chikowsky on my hands. I thought that went over, and then I took my thoughts to a fellow uptown. A fellow with an odd name who wore a short white coat with the pomp of a Maharaja in the ceremonial robe. His name? Igor von Strater. Dr. Igor von Strater. I had Norma Barron along with me to solemnify the occasion. I'll be pleased to do what you ask, Mr. Craig. Great. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate... Medicine has a soul, too, Mr. Craig. 
Like your profession. Then the sum we agreed on. Here, 300. You'll find it all there. But I will be pleased to accept nothing. Uh-uh. A $2,000 job for a measly three C's is charity enough. You have got an overhead. When will you send the young man to me? Tomorrow or the next day. I've got to work over him before you can. Let's go, Norma. Driving away, Norma could no longer contain herself. A plastic surgeon. Best man in New York. You heard his usual fees. Yeah. $2,000. The only permanent cure I know for your guy. Fix that cheek of his and you fix his morals. His inferiority feelings began when the fire mutilated his face. Yeah. In my heart, I've always known that about Chris, but... But? Well, gee, $300 of your own money, it, it's not fair to you. It's not my own money. <laughs> it's Maloney, the barber's contribution. Maloney? I don't know... I scooped up the contents of his cash register before the police raid began. I found $298 net. I added two bucks of my own. Maloney's dough, so what? For the fellows he's ruined, I say let Maloney's money do one fellow some good. Call it poetic justice. Oh, gee. I, I don't know what to say. Say this. When Chris Tchaikovsky finally rings you on that telephone. Come home, Chris. Come back to the old block. Use every feminine persuasion you know. You make it sound extra important. It sure is. I'm putting on a show for Chris, sister. A show with fireworks he'll never forget. He's got to do some suffering before the magic rainbow appears. For the good of his immortal soul. When I'm done with Chris, he'll be very happy to live. Happily ever after. The phone call to Norma came through and soon enough... Kowski take a quiet evening stroll down the old block on his way to meet Norman. I let him cross from Santo's shine parlor to Maloney's barbershop before I opened fire. When he fell face down in the gutter, I gave him a couple of extra shots. I watched him roll over, face upward to the sky, then go rigid as the angel of death tapped him on the brow. <laughs> a hysteria reaction. All pure shot. Chris's death was grossly exaggerated. After all, how could he be dead when I'd been using blank bullets? Soon, I listened to Chris Tchaikovsky talk to himself. A miracle I wasn't killed. Only had a rig for me to be killed. A miracle the bullets passed all around me. Still feel you owe loyalty to rats? Well, in my lesson, I learned it. Ready to get it all off your chest now? Yeah, sure. Anything I know to tell. You'll feel better for it. The underworld code is for suckers, son. The rat you're protecting is generally aiming a knife at your back. Yeah, a gun, you mean. Yeah, I know that now. And how I know that. While Chris Tchaikovsky was getting it all down on police record, I had a few private words with Norma. You fake the attempt on Chris's life. Yeah. <laughs> Show a man the face of death and he develops a love of life. The good, clean life. Sorry the shock therapy had to be so, well, melodramatic. Oh, I fainted dead away when I heard the shot. <laughs> when Chris gets through with his statement, ride him uptown to Dr. Venstrata for that operation. Yes, I will. At once. And, uh, Norma. Yes, Mr. Craig? My trick with Chris. Is it, uh, our secret? Oh, yes, Mr. Craig. I promise you it will always be our secret. 
And thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for everything. Welcome back. Well, this was a different episode of uh, Barry Craig. Um, and it, it may have been a little um, over overdone in some ways, but it does address what was a big issue at the time, which is concern about uh, delinquency among young people uh, and uh, particularly uh, juveniles. Though in this case, it appears that this uh, this guy was not a minor at this point. Um, and, uh, this idea of trying to get young people to stay out of organized crime, this was a lot of Hollywood focused on this. Uh, there was an episode of suspense, uh, dealing with, uh, similar issues. So this is one of those more serious, uh, social commentary, uh, episodes, uh, and, uh, uh, still, it it was it worked for the most part. There was just a couple parts I was like, hmm, I don't know if that's quite realistic, but okay. All right, well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. I can appreciate all the comments uh, that you send in. SD Rancher comments on our uh, uh, Box 13 feed, a well-done done show starring Alan Ladd. Great acting, uh, plots, and premise. I loved every episode and wish they'd made more. I'm definitely there with you on that. Tommy comments over on Facebook, It's simply amazing that these shows were able to accomplish in a one-room studio. From the sound effects to the atmosphere uh, they created to the voice uh, inflections. Really remarkable. Would you happen to know the very first detective show ever recorded? Thanks so much. Uh, but from St. Louis, Missouri, this is Tommy uh, 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 signing off. Well, thanks so much, Tommy. I uh, appreciate that. Um, answer to the question... Uh, as far as I know, the first uh, detective show recorded is, um, you know, and probably not too surprising, was Sherlock Holmes. Uh, 1930, that was the first time that the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes uh, began to uh, be uh, out there, and it continued on the radio, you know, with a, a, a few years break here and there. Uh, for the better part of 20 years. And then after that, you'd had uh, uh, Charlie Chan and Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, become very popular on the airwaves. Thanks so much for the great question, and uh, that will do it for today. We will be back uh, tomorrow with uh, uh, an episode of Poirot, and then join us next Monday for Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. Uh, send your comments, Box13, GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and give us a call, 208-991-4783. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.